On this episode of Business Relations, Rob and I try to help the real estate industry move through all the stages of grief. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is your host, the notorious Rob, Rob Hahn, and as always, my amazing co-host, the fabulous Greg Robertson. Woo! <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good, man. Um, I'm excited to talk today. We're just uh, setting up my do not disturb here so I don't get a lot of yep. damn beeps and Bings buzzes and, and everything and... else, right? Yep, yeah. yep. It's been a momentous couple of weeks, couple of months. Um, Every and year I know it we... seems like there's we don't run out of things to talk about, do we? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, and I do know uh, we got to start planning for the year-end wrap-up and predictions, which will be coming in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Because who knows what's going to happen between now and then. I mean, another seven lawsuits could get filed, right? I mean... Another 70. I mean, it looks yeah, like, Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but uh, it's, you know, I feel like we have kind of established our, our authority as like the, you know... Uh, They'll go to guys when it comes to this particular topic. We obviously we're going to still keep talking about it because it is what's on everybody's mind. But I think, like in the pre-show, you talked about, we should probably just start taking an angle on this, which could be a little bit more on the productive side. So the floor is yours, sir. You know, what do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, just as a little bit of follow up, right? I would, I would kind of recommend, although you know, I think we've been up on top of this. Uh, um. Dwiggins and his podcast had Ed Zorn back on mm-hmm. um, for a second time and kind of yep. read and he came back and talked about what he would do as a settlement. So if anybody hasn't um, caught that one, I would probably catch that one because I was pretty yep. informative, I thought. Um, uh, I also think there's a little drama going on, um, which I that I wrote about a little bit and has been out there on, I guess uh, somebody from Realtor.com had said some things at the NAR NXT show about co-star not being the friend of the agent. And mm-hmm. um, Andy Florence uh, wrote an email back to everybody saying, you know, yeah. basically um, who is this guy from realtor.com whose sister company, <laughs> the wall street journal just has been reaming realtors, a new one, have any right to say that we were doing anything. Um, and I think this goes back to your kind of authenticity thing. He also like, he took full responsibility for Catchmark being named uh, Person of the Year on the CoStar news site and said it will never happen again. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm kind of, you know, we go back and forth with this, but I mean, you know, really just talking about the, as a follow-up for last week's show where you talked about having somebody with authenticity and not this word salad and corporate speak, man, this guy's, this guy's delivering it and I'm here for it, man. I mean, he was... uh I also read somewhere that he was on the floor at the homes.com booth and not in a suite, you know, right, somewhere, right, you know, doing things. Right, so right. this guy is, uh, he's into it. He's, he's stuck his, you know, he's, he's stuck his flag in the ground. And, uh, these guys yeah. are, there was another good interview that, uh, the president of homes.com, uh, David, uh, Melly Mele, <coughs> I hope I'm getting the name right again. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that, David. Um, 
where he gave an interview with uh, Mike Delpreet um, on his new podcast, which I think is called Context, which gave another kind of insight to what Homes.com is doing. Um, so uh, I, I would just, those are kind of things I would tell the audience to kind of, kind of go check out. But I think to me, the point I was making the last post I was, is, was that basically, you know, I like to play craps, right? And, you know, when you're at a hot craps table, it's, it's the, the most exhilarating experience you can have because Absolutely. you've got the shooter out there and they're Absolutely. rolling and you want them to hit that point and you want to, to do that. Right. Um, but there's two ways of betting in craps. There's right way betters and wrong way betters. Right. And the dark think, side. Yeah. Okay. In I'll a sense. In have a sense, have you right? ever played dark side? Never. Yeah. See, I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I know you're not surprised. <laughs> but, but the thing about it's it awful. is just that, yeah, it's awful. <laughs> but you, you, you know, when you're at a hot table and there's some, and it's new, normally an older Korean guy. No, sorry, it's oh, exactly. it's normally this older guy comes up and he puts like a few chips on the don't pass line, which is basically a bit betting against the shooter. That's right. And and craps players, especially right way craps players, of course, just hate that guy because it seems like they're just bringing bad juju. Everybody's that's right. wishing it goes this way, but that guy's betting on the other way of it going that's against right. the shooter. And what I was saying, and I've said this before, was CoStar has been perceived in this industry as a wrong way better. It's like all of us are like hoping these things happen. And he goes in there and says, nope, he's yeah. putting on the yeah. don't pass line. And we're all like, come on, man. I mean, you're bringing bad juju to this. Um, and, you know, it turns out seven out. Andy's right, this, you know, because CoStar's <laughs> business model is now, um, it, you know, it, it is better with a with buy side compensation either taken away or neutered, right? Right. Um, so now it feels like um, we're not playing craps anymore. We're playing a brand <laughs> new game, right? And everybody at the table is going to have to adjust. Zillow is going to have to adjust. Realtor is going to have to adjust. Uh, Co-star is going to have to adjust. The industry is going to have to adjust. Um, I said in my article, it feels a little bit more like poker, and and damn it, um, co-star is pot is is pot rich or they're you know stack rich at least right. So they've got them or they got the most chips on the table right now, and mm. they're ready. I mean, as far as money, I mean they got oh sure yeah as far yeah, as that's, what, cash, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's all yeah, if yeah, we use yeah. the poker analogy, they got a big stack in front of them right. So. So what I'm what I'm saying here about this is a long introduction here. What I'm saying is is that we all need to adjust now. The game's over. It's a new game. Sure. I I, like I said, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like craps anymore. It feels like something completely different. And okay, so we've got to go into 2024. We've got to go, you know, before that in the mindset. Okay, these things have changed. Now we're playing a new thing, and let's just get over it. Go over it. Mm -hmm. I I love your tweets of an analogizing this to like the seven. Um, was it seven, six, or five uh, steps of of grief? Yeah, yeah, the stage right. stages of uh, mourning. Yeah. yeah, and and so why don't you why don't you talk about the stages of mourning and then tell tell oh, us God. as an industry where we're at right now? What are the state? It's like denial, anger, uh, grief, bargaining. No, bargaining, grief, and then acceptance. Acceptance right, right. are the five stages of grief. We yeah. went through denial. Right. It's like, oh, and air's gonna win. No, no, no. Like, we're gonna win this. Okay. Now we're at the anger phase. Right. Catch marks the devil. You know, like realtors doing stupid. NAR shit. did like, the wrong thing. Yeah. 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 You know, they were in the anger phase. I assume the next one will be bargaining, which is what 
you know, I think a number of people moved on to, well, what if we did it this way? Hey, what if, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. FHFA changed their <laughs> rules? Like, hey, you know, but we could still make this, the seller can offer it direct or, you know. <laughs> such we're, a we're good analogy. Ways. It's such a good analogy. Right? Yeah. So I figure what comes next, which I think will be probably first half of next year will be the grief phase, right? The depression phase, like we're doomed. Oh my God, everything is awful and whatever. And then I figure maybe by the second half of next year, you know, uh, we'll be at the acceptance phase. Like, okay, this is a new reality, new normal. What I got to do? Yeah, I figure yeah. that's kind of where, where we're headed. Well, I, uh, what I want to do in this podcast is I want to push yeah. everybody towards that acceptance, the acceptance phase, phase, right? Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's go on here and talk yeah. about, okay, you know, um, it's it's gone, right? Um, buy you know there's no field in the MLS that says what the buy side agreement is. Maybe uh, you know any any compensation at all. Um, you know we're gonna have to deal with uh, you know buy side agreements, which we've been talking about forever, which is good gonna be the general practice. Um, and 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 realtors are gonna have to um, show more of their value and and also. Let's be prepared, as you say a lot of times. Let's prep for this. Um, maybe it wasn't enough for us to tell them to prep ahead of time before the lawsuit, but because now, what what are MLSs? What are associations? What are brokers? What are agents going to do to prep mm -hmm. for this new world that we have mm -hmm. to accept right now? Right. So um, I want to have a real caveat on this because this has been okay. a little bit. I was thinking about writing about this or maybe talking to you about it a little bit, um, but you know. Is over the last three, four weeks, because we had the verdict now, right? You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed a lot of, um, I don't even know what to call them. I guess we'll call them real estate podcasters, right? <laughs> I didn't know there were so many goddamn channels actually on YouTube, uh, but there are a lot of them. And I never heard of any of these channels before, but they're starting to pop up in my feed because obviously Google knows that I'm interested in Sitzer and the verdict and these issues. Um and they're they're popping up everywhere, talking about like reacting to the verdict and what you must do now. And I'm kind of like, a, a, most of those things feels way early, right? And yeah. people who are doing like, here's what you must do now, I, like you're forced to make assumptions about what what the injunction is going to be. And I just feel like it's early. I've written about this. Like, why are we assuming what the injunction will be, right? Like there are a lot, all these assumptions like, oh, the... The field in the MLS should be gone, but you need a buyer agency agreement so that the seller can agree to pay you during the negotiation process. I'm like, how do you know that's going to be allowed? Yeah. Right? Like, we don't know yet. So you can prep, but if you're going to prep, then you actually have to prep along sort of a range of possible expected outcomes, right? So the mistake, and so I'm perfectly willing to do it. Just mistake that I think we need to avoid is assuming what the new reality is going to okay, be. Okay. Okay. Right? That's fair. That's fair. I think that's the way to do it. Um, so, and then it could just sort of go down. Okay. If the injunction looks like this, then here's what we had to do. If it looks like this, then here's what we do. And then see if there are like commonalities where you want to start making some changes now, because no matter what, you're going to need to do that common thing. Right. So, so from that standpoint, uh, where do you want to, where should we begin? Agents, brokers, I, MLSs, yeah, I wanna, associations. I want to start with agents. Industry. I want to okay. start with agents, and I think, yeah. um, and 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 then from the agents, it kind of goes into a lot of places. But I mean, sure. I think a, a, a tenant, a, a a core thing that 
you know, agents need to begin working on. And I don't know if it's, it's tech or if it's anything else, but agents need to be able to communicate their value. Right. And I would look at my tech stack. I would look at my marketing stack. I would look at my, my whole business and where, where can I show my clients the value that I'm delivering? Right. Because it's, it's going to be, it's going to be poked. It's going to be pressured. It's going to, it's going to be pushed. It's going to be prodded. You know, everybody is going to be on a thing where it's already starting now. You know, we've heard from agents that they looking for their refund. Right. Um, So I think that's needs to happen. Everybody's got to do a, an analysis or a, uh, an audit of all those things there to make sure that they're showing their value way up in front. Um, okay. And- I, I want to push back a little bit on this okay. because I've now heard this a gazillion times from okay. industry gurus and experts, not named me, um, saying you need to show your value. You need to communicate your value, right? And I'm going, okay. First of all, I, while I don't disagree and there's an angle to that that I'm 100% with you, um, and that's, you know, our, our friend James and Christian Dwiggins, they're building this thing called Race. You know, I'm on the board of advisors, so like I know exactly kind of the angle there, right? Okay, and what raises? So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I you don't know about raise. Uh, it's on their site, but I've never, I don't see. Anything. Yeah, they're they're public now. I mean, it's basically a tool to allow agents to track their time and and activities, so they could say to a client, "Here's what I did for you last week," right? Because a lot of times clients don't know what an agent does, right? Uh, again, so but like this a- is not that. A Almost like tracker? a billable hours type system. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like okay. I made these many okay. phone calls, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And we should have them on probably at some point to talk about it. Except we don't typically, I felt weird about it. We don't typically do that. You know what I mean? Like just allow vendors to come on and pitch their shit. Like, like it's just not our, our, our space, but I'll have so them I on listing bits. I'll have them there on listing you go. bits. They can come there. But here's the thing. Um, when I hear that, I kind of go, well, the assumption by all these sort of gurus and coaches and whatever, and I get it because they're trying to get agents to pay them, but w- like you're assuming the agent actually has value. Right? And a lot of times, man, and let's face it, this is one of those hard truths that we don't want to confront really, but everyone knows it. A huge chunk of the agents out there should not be in business. They actually have no value. If anything, they have negative value because they're lying to consumers and they're misleading them and they're incompetent. Like, so the first place, like, if you actually have value, then yes, we could talk about communicating it. But the first step prior to that, maybe at an agent level, is do you actually have any value? Well, I think if you do an audit, I mean, you're going to find that out, right? I mean, if you audit yourself and you audit your business and you're going, but, well, uh, right. I haven't but had a listing the, the past two years. Maybe it's time for me to freaking reexamine my whole life here. But what I mean is like beyond that, like – I know it sounds weird, you know, because obviously I'm a huge fan of like agents, the good ones. Like last, you know, the last episode that I did, I was like getting very poetic about. So these are some of the best people. I yeah, that's true. At the same time, I can't ignore the fact that there are a whole bunch of people in our industry who are, you know, agents who are realtors, right? Who really don't know jack shit, and they're not that interested in educating themselves. Right? They're just. It's kind of a part-time thing, and if I fall into a deal, great. I'm going to get paid this huge amounts of money for not doing a whole lot. I mean, there, there's it's actually just true. But don't you it. think that that right. 
you know, the way if, and again, we don't know what it's going to be, but, you know, it's looking like that a guaranteed commission just because you brought a buyer to the table right. Right. is is the going the way of the dodo. That's right. And Procuring clauses concept will be gone, right? A lot, a lot of agents that, that you just talked about, that's how they've been surviving, right? So yeah, don't yeah. you think that there's just by, you know, uh, Darwinism – you know, those guys are going to fall out anyway, right? So, I, I Yes, I do. Yeah. So, I but mean, that's that, that to me I'm is saying. just like a – okay. What I'm saying is like, look, as these gurus, the experts, the brokers, and I know our our whole approach for decades has been like like don't, don't upset the agent. You know what I mean? Always tell them they're pretty. You know, always tell them they're great. Like it's always been a little bit of that approach. I'm saying actually we need to maybe think about that. Maybe we start with, listen – I want you to communicate your value. Unfortunately, you don't have any value. You don't know enough, right? You haven't trained yourself enough. You haven't read up enough. You haven't done enough deals, right? So I, I want to help you communicate your, a little bit of, of your value, but fact of the matter is you don't have any, right? So go get that first. Before we talk about communicating value, go get some value, right? Like, I mean, there are agents who don't know jack shit about real estate. Right? They don't know anything about housing. They don't know anything about buildings. They don't know anything about nothing. You know, they're just no like, I met this client at open house and let me, you know, now I'm there. I'm going to negotiate on their behalf. Do you know anything about negotiation? Like, have you taken a class? Like, have you done anything to actually get some skills? Right? So it would be, it, maybe this becomes the turning point where as an industry, where brokers, managing brokers feel comfortable telling their agent, listen, you're not good enough. You need to gain this, 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 and this, right? And here are the classes you need to take. You need to take negotiations 101. You need to take – you need to read Greg's book on how to how to do a comparable analysis, right? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe this is a turning point. If so, then that would be amazing, right? That's a real advantage. That's a real advance that once we get past – and if people say, you know, I don't want to do that. I didn't get into real estate because I wanted to work hard. Cool. Get out. Do you know what I mean? Cool. Yeah, I mean, get the, out. Yeah, the the culture of and especially you can see it on the lists and everything else has been a culture of number of agents, right? And right. Um, and a lot of that stuff has been also built into their revenue, right? Their business models, where whether you want to call it a desk fee or tech fee or or some sort of thing, right? And also. Right. Brokers have been up to this point, and I'm not sure this changes, is that, hey, um, cast a wide net. Maybe I'm going to get an, uh, an uncle or a family member, a couple deals out of this person. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's, that's you know, they, they've kind of looked at almost like VC guys look. It's like I'm going to invest in like a thousand right. people and 10 of these guys are going to pay off. Right. So right. Um, I, I don't know how, you know, how that kind of changes. Um, if we don't, if, if those underlying economics, um, don't change, I I think it's going to probably take a few quarters or a year of like, okay, we're living with this new economic model of an, you know, a pretty much guaranteed commission rate before and not one now for those models to change. I mean, even on the stuff like, you know, which EXP and, and Keller Williams does with the, with the kind of downline. I mean, those models really are all about sign up everybody. Who cares? You know, if they if put a put a mirror in front of their mouth, 
Mm-hmm. Right. You just want to get as much, many people in the door because, you know, some are going to make it, some are not. Um, and I think maybe the thing is just accelerate, you know, that that, you know, that grading, that um, that culling um, quicker um, than you have in the past. Maybe that's maybe right. that's got to change. But God, I mean, the culture right. is so is so about number of agents right now, especially from the brokers and franchise level. Right. It's, it's tough. Right. And that's so it's going to be a real culture change. It's going to be a mind shift change. Here's the thing, man. Like I know a lot of the brokers, a lot of really good brokers. They can't wait for this to happen. Right. Because a lot of them aren't happy with kind of what they have to do to stay in business. Right. A lot of them, they, they don't like the fact that financially it benefits them more if they bring on a new agent who don't know shit and they do two deals a year. Right. Their margins are higher on those two agents. So yeah, things have yeah. to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but because we're talking about the agent, I'm saying, look, I completely agree. Agents, you need to communicate your value. But here's how I sort of how I see that. If you can't, if you have trouble talking to a customer, and you, you and I both do sales, we're both in business. If you have trouble telling somebody, I'm going to be paid this, this is what I charge, then maybe you need more skills. Right. If and this is one of the things that I think is really challenging. How you know, like we talk about buyer agency agreement, buyer brokerage agreements, and how brokers have been trying to convince their agents to use this for years and years and years. Now, here's the thing: I am not one of those people who think that the buyer agency agreement is some sort of a fix-all. I really don't. Right. It's shocking to me how many realtor associations and coaches and brokers are out there just preaching like buyer agency agreement. This will solve everything. I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's, it's like. First of it's all, more of a legal transparency thing than, than a fix-all for right. business. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it. Like, how in the world are you going to enforce these buyer agency agreements, right? Like, what if your buyer refuses to pay you? You're really going to go sue? Like, war hero just got back from, you know, like, you're really going to sue that guy because he didn't pay you your money? Like, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. I don't think in this environment you would, but, I mean, in an environment where – that's what your, you know, that's what your bread and butter is because of that. I think that that stuff goes up actually if that stuff happens. I, but I'm just, there, it's just there, there was nothing in place like we do now. There would be nothing sure. in place like we do now with the MLS that right. kind of gave that a right. little bit more teeth. I mean, I, exactly. So I'm just saying it's nonsense to me to think that like NAR is out there waving the DEI flag and talking about how if we get rid of compensation, it'll hurt minorities and women the most. Okay, cool. So now after buyer agency, you're going to go sue the black single mother who just who just helped put into a home for the first time. You're going to go sue her because she didn't pay you $18,000. Like, yeah, you could do it one time, man. <laughs> you could do it one time. And after that, that single mother goes to the press and after that single mother tells everybody goes to social media, you're never going to have any other buyer clients after that. So let's just get real about it. Having said that, my point is there are you know brokers who really want to see the ability to start saying, you know, it's not about headcount, right? It's not about, you know, you're going to fall into a deal. The economics do have to change because what those brokers want to run are professional services firms where all their agents are delivering real value have value, will go through training, learn skills, and have no problem if you have the skills going to a client and say, hey, I really want to help you. This is what I charge. Client goes, well, I'm not going to pay that. I'm sorry. See ya. Right? 
And I feel like this applies across the board, well, no matter what profession. If you're a plumber and you got skills, somebody calls you, hey, my toilet's clogged. I charge $500 to come out. That's too expensive. Cool. Call the next guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm worth. You don't like it. Don't pay me. That's fine. I don't have to do work for you. I think yeah, we'll transition it, to that. Yeah, I think, though, you know, one of the things that it's been an interesting thing about, I mean, I've been my full adult life has been working with real estate agents from 92, right? I mean, is it's such a weird profession where they expect that one person to do everything, right? right. They're really right. A very, I mean, the very definition of a solo entrepreneur. I know they're part of a brokerage or whatever else, but I think that's why a lot of the teams do very well because they, they can identify, hey, this person is really great with people, great with families. And they, you know, and, you know, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times why a person who's at my age, right, who looks like they have experience is a better person to show a family because it's I have some life experience. And maybe that's why the, the age, you know, is where it's at, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. somebody that's 21 years old is not, you know, say, hey, hey, you know, you know, what, what, you know, is it doesn't come across as that trustworthy thing. But um, it's not, I don't think. I think it's a very hard thing to ask one person to be the marketer, the the guy that asks for the money, the guy that shows the houses, the guy that negotiates, the guy whatever. So, you know, and I think that's why teams have done well. I can tell you, you know, there's been different, you know, companies I've been a part of. And one of the one of the one of the most interesting experiences was building a call center. I mean, a basically a boiler room, right? Where you're gonna mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. um you know, we had probably at one point, you know, close to 30 people in a, in a room making phone calls, calling real estate agents, right? Or brokers. Um, when you build something like that, you know, it's almost the same of what we're talking about here. You have to have, you're spending as much time on recruiting as you are the operation. So if you look right. at like the, the economics of that, half your money is going to, if you don't have a fresh bodies coming in, because you never know. You know, and especially in this business where it's so aspirational, you got to keep a constant flow because they leave. You know, they're, they're right. just not yeah. cut up for it, right? <clears throat> right? You don't know that until they start doing that job. Um, so I think there's, you know, it's 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 almost like a do you bring them in to do some things that are involved with real estate, and then say, you know what, now you take your series seven, right. in a sense, right? right? Now, now right. you know what you've let's do this before you get your license. You know what, let's do that before they you know, before they, there's another step where they handle other things in the office before they actually become a, a right. realtor. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of different business models that have to be kind of, that'll be kind of explored and changed um, as we go along here. For sure. I, yeah. But I mean, Completely. Keller Williams and EXP, I don't know, man. I mean, they're the downline that that's. Yeah. That's so a, maybe the downline goes kind of away, you know, maybe it mm. transforms, maybe it modifies. Um, but to your point, I do want to address this. Like, Teams have done really well, but I don't think teams have done well for the reason you're mentioning, right? But what's interesting is that that is something we could see on the other side of this. In other words, we've gone through anger, you know, bargaining, depression, and then we get to acceptance. I think what we might see is, to your point, a real team. Here's what I mean. If you think about it, like teams in real estate, they're not really teams, right? <laughs> what, what they are are sort of this brokerage within a brokerage where you have the lead yeah. agent who just charges a split to a team member, but then the team member is doing everything solo. 
other than administrative staff that the team employs, which is no different than a broker having administrative staff. But if we go if we go to a different type of business model, maybe it's hourly, maybe whatever, then I could see a, a true team approach where you have the agent going, listen, I'm really good at this piece. But you know, my colleague is really good at negotiation. So the two of us, we're going to work with you together to deliver best results. You're going to pay me by the hour. You're going to pay him by the hour. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if you have any law firms on retainer anymore, but I'm sure you did at one point, right? Yeah. Like that's a team, you know, the, the partner's not drafting some fucking letter, yeah. the paralegal's doing that. You know, you, you run into something, well, I need, I need advice on tax. Like, look, I'm not a tax attorney, but I've got a guy. Yeah. Who's a tech specialist? Let me yeah, I mean, in on. that case, you have my lead guy would be the strategy guy. Right. He says, okay, here's how we're going to approach this. We're right. going to need to hire a, an insurance guy. We're need to get yep. to have a, you know, yep. uh, whatever guy and a whatever guy. Yep. I mean, yep. de definitely. But you're always looking to that top guy to provide the strategy That's right. of how this is going to be done. That's right. Yeah. And I think we could see stuff like that happening in real estate too. Again, for like a simple, you're buying a two-bedroom condo, you know, it, it, this is a real simple deal. Listen, you don't need me. Right, I'll be a relationship. Sure, I'll advise. I'll, but you need my junior guy who can handle the condo deal for you. Right, yeah. no problem. But hey, your 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 father just passed away, and you want to sell it in a state, and there's uh, all sorts of environmental issues around it. You've got some oil and gas in the property. You've got some timber rights. Oh, that's complicated. Okay, you know what? Yeah, bring it to me. I'm gonna bring in the the best timber rights guy. You know, I'm gonna bring right. in the best oil and gas negotiation guy, and together we as a team will help service you. Like that's, and I feel like the business model will work out, and that's good for consumers. That's good for the firm. That's good for those agents, right? Yeah. So I do think we're gonna see stuff like that. I do think we might see brokerages spending more time on training and offering different types of training. This has been a, a, a thing I complain about for years, because right? I'm not mm. an agent. I've never walked in their shoes. So I don't know. But I am a, you know, like a business consultant. So I could go look at a broker and look at their training programs that they offer, right? And it was shocking, man. A lot of times I'm like, every single training program you're offering is how to do lead gen. It would be like, how to work your sphere. And then there'd be yeah. training course on how yeah, to yeah, use yeah. online leads. There'd be a training course on using Instagram for lead generation. Everything is lead gen. And I'm like, when do you do skills training? When do you do negotiation skills? When do you do, you know, product training? Hey, everybody, we're going to look at this builder, you know, in our community and what their building techniques were. We're going to look at, like, when do you do that? When do you do skills training? Right. And the answer was almost never. Now, on the other side of this, where to your point, agents need to show value, which means that they have to have value, right? Maybe brokers will now start going, hey, you know what? We need to some skills training. We need some product training, right? Um, and I've told you this story, Mike. One of my most formative experiences was I was a salesman at Bergdorf Goodman, right? Selling men's clothing and straight commission sales, right? But you know what? Saturday mornings, I would have to show up and the store would have these programs. So they'd be like, okay, we're going to go visit the Giorgio Armani uh, storeroom and they're going to have designers and craftsmen to tell us. So we would get product training and they would That's show us awesome. like, 
here's how we cut the fabric at Armani. Here's how we cut the fabric over here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we go, oh, education, now I have some skills. They would teach us about stuff around tailoring. You know, they would bring in the head yeah. tailor to go over, here's what tailoring means, here's the concepts, skills training. I could easily see brokers doing that, right? Bring in a builder, say, listen, here's building techniques and why this is important, why this house might be more expensive because we use this other technique versus this one, which is cheaper. Some agents have that because of the background or they sort of do it on their own. But the fact is we don't really see institutional training like that. I think we start to see it on the other side of this, which is a real positive, man. It's really... It's really good. Yeah, those are. The, I, I had the same experience. I mean, I've I, you know my my sales most of my formal sales training was at Radio Shack, right? But mm -hmm. but we would have people come in and talk about you know the latest thing or why this was built this way. And those are the stories that get me when I'm talking to somebody. Um, you know that little extra information, like oh, this fucking guy knows it. And I you know yeah. you mentioned my book. I'll give a a quick story from my book. It's like you know. I tell agents is like, you know, one of the things to do is just walk your neighborhood like you do a morning walk and take a picture of every house as, you know, each day you take a picture of a house and make, say something nice. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Find out what types of trees were planted in your neighborhood and know the exact down to the genus of it or genus. I mean, to yeah. say, well, you know, the, and, and then find out why they picked those. I mean, if I'm talking to an agent, well, you know, these are, you know, obviously uh, blue smoky mountain furs because at the time blah 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 i'm like if this guy knows about about the fucking trees in my neighborhood right you know and i think right. that could probably help a lot to legion as well right because and, you're talking and, and, and like that guy, that, wait hold on that guy says this is blue whatever smoky mountain fur <laughs> and then he says i'm 500 an hour you're like eh, sign me up sure you <laughs> fucking know your shit right? yeah no exactly um and and that exercise just making a morning walk and taking a picture of a house and making a comment on it and by the time you've done, you know, you're into it, you know, 90 days, what is it? A neighborhood like an average neighborhood is 88 homes. I mean, you know, you've got this thing about, oh, it looks like Harry, you know, Harry and Maude, you know, uh, finished the upgrades. Man, they look great. I love the way mm -hmm. this works and that works. I mean, it just becomes mm -hmm. a, a learning and build it into the thing. But I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Anytime I learned a little bit extra about different things, um, it's all about storytelling, right? And right. Uh, that's that's the, the best storytellers. I think they're best make the best salespeople for sure. Right, right. And I I think so. When I think about like the great agents I've worked with, right? You know what? There's one thing that was really unique about all of them that I've experienced. For whatever reason, they love houses. Yeah, they love real estate. They love real estate. In other words, like in their spare time, they would be reading things like Architectural Digest. Yeah. <laughs> right. In their spare time. For fun, they would go and tour houses because they just love I do. Houses. I still go to open houses all the time, man. It's like, <laughs> yeah. the shit out of my kids. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that, so that makes it a lot easier for those individuals to actually gain the knowledge without it being like some, you know, dreary, like I got to open this book and study it. It's not like that, right? It's just, they just love houses. They're going to find, oh, hey, look at this, whatever, right? Look at interior design. Look at this thing. Look at that thing. And I think those tend to be some of the better agents because they just naturally pick up all those skills and they get curious about it. Now, those people tend not to be really interested in finance, <laughs> like right. in my experience. So look, this well, is maybe- Finding somebody that does it all in one 
is nuts. And that's what it's, basically right. right now the model for a real estate agent is, is they got to right, do everything. Right. right. So imagine you from a team standpoint, you're, you're the agent who just loves houses, you know, go to all the open houses, and you have partner with somebody who just loves finance. So he wants to know anything about mortgages and everything about, you know, strategies or whatever and financial asset planning. That, what an amazing team that would be, right? So you work with the buyer. He's looking at a house. It's whatever, 1.8 million. And you're going, it's like, hey, from a house standpoint, this is amazing, you know, blah, blah, blah. The finance, your finance team partner comes in, is like, this is awful. <laughs> this is a terrible yeah. deal. Do not do this. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, at the end of the day, that potentially really delivers better value to consumers. And if you're delivering better value to consumers, they are going to pay you. Right. And we're also yeah. freaked out about like, the, the buyer's not going to pay you. They, they, I'm like, look, he, he, so this is probably a controversial statement because it goes completely against like NAR's big push about women and minorities hurt the worst. I'm like, if you can't afford to pay for professional representation, maybe you can't afford to buy a house. You know what I mean? Like maybe don't stretch so hard to buy a house well, that you can't even afford professional okay. advice uh, okay, i'll give you an analogy another story right sure. i think there's different ways of approaching this thing um i don't know that was uh tire store tire places right you know and i think les schwab was uh was the person that kind of did this kind of stuff and 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 our local my local place here um you know if uh, anytime i have a flat right or something's wrong i go in there and um it's almost like I get better service when I have like a random flat than when I get when I'm buying tires. I, I, not mm -hmm. really, but but I guess it's because the perception they don't charge me mm -hmm. because they want to build a they want to be a, a service provider, and this is part of the service they provide. Bring your car in, and it's it's a it's a it's an opportunity to show you what they can do because they know, and I you know. Uh, you know where I I've bought you know I've gone in this place a couple times with some tire issues. They fix it for free. I'm not saying you know we'll get to what how I would think. That. And then I bought every every you know four sets of tires for all my family from the same place because the experience that I went in mm -hmm. there expecting to pay the first time and they never did. And then mm -hmm. subsequently going there. So I mean I don't think it's going to be such a thing where maybe as you talked about before. Hey the condo, right? It, it it's two grand. Right. You know, we're, we're, we'll see, you know, when, when you start going to whatever, when we start looking, whatever, then we'll talk about it. Right. So I don't mm -hmm. think it has to be a, a binary thing. Right. Where if you can't afford to pay this, you should right. buy a house. I think right. there's levels that we're going to have to come up with uh, that that kind of provide for that. And, and some of right. those things, if you think about it, weren't really um, possible in the old model. And that's what we, you and you say this all the time. Um you got to look at these things as an opportunity, yeah. not not just a problem, right? Not just yeah. a, a huge issue. And I think that's you know that's could be one example. Yeah. So let, let, I mean, I kind of I dig that approach, but here's fundamentally, I think what I'm getting at is this: I think Americans, for the most part, by and large, are good people, and they're fair, right? Buyers aren't; they're not out there trying to screw some agent, you know, that they built a relationship. They're just not. So if the agent has real value, right? The agent is delivered. They they love the house. You know, there are all those things, and they're delivering real value. I think the buyers would want to compensate them, 
you know, it's not a matter of I don't want to pay you, screw you. you. You know, it's not that. I think they want to pay them if they are receiving value. And the only question then is how do we make it possible for them to pay, right? My point simply is if you have a buyer who's like, I really want to pay you, but man, I can't afford any money. I like I I like once I buy this house, I'm done. I'm so stretched then. Maybe, maybe what I'm suggesting is you could go, maybe you're not ready to buy the house yet. <laughs> right? Maybe don't bankrupt yourself just to buy a house. Maybe build spend another year and build up a little bit of savings, build up a little bit of research. Because here's the thing, forget paying the agent. What if you move in and something happens and you need to replace a heater? You need to replace the HVAC. Like, do anything to do with house, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything you got to do with the house is $10,000. Heater went out, $10,000. You know, you know, new roof, $10,000 minimum. You know, you need plumbing, something, $10,000, right? So it's like, hey, man, like, it's not even about getting the buyer paid, buyer agent paid. It's about, like, if you buy this house and you're utterly destitute because of it, maybe buy less house, right? <laughs> Maybe yeah, I mean, wait a I, I year, think, right? I think you and I, yeah, I think you and I not being in real estate, I think I, I can I can almost hear agents yelling or any agent, you're like, like yeah. buyers are liars. Let me tell you like yeah, yeah. a thousand stories where I showed a buyer for four months and they went with somebody yep. else or they did this yep. or that. Or, yep. Yep. or totally. like I, I know from a personal experience, like um, <laughs> I always got stressed out when my employees started buying houses, right? And I'm like, <laughs> it's like I haven't even bought a house yet, and so back in the day, right? And like people are buying houses on this thing, right? I mean, that's right. That's because you know what you're nuts. paying them, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, no, I know what they're paying, but but it's like, okay, I just started this out of ether. I, you know, it's like yeah. this yeah. is like something that you're, you know, you know, it, it was a good bet for them. But I will say, with some friends of mine too, they would buy houses. I'm like, I, I you're stretching yourself thin. That I would never buy the house that was that was worth that much, and you know what? Every time, I should have bought a bigger house because their equity gains were way more than mine because sure. I always played a conservative, right? So there's sure, there's probably sure. there's probably caveats and everything here a little bit. Sure, yeah. no, no, of course. All I'm suggesting is once we move to like this new world, this new model, whatever that looks like, and the agents and brokers have a little bit more flexibility how they could go about things. I could easily imagine. My point simply is that I think buyers, if you deliver real value to them, they want to pay you. Right? I don't think people are evil inherently. There might be some evil people. And yes, yeah. buyers are liars. There might be. But I think people are actually inherently fair. So here's what I'm getting at. Imagine a different scenario where you say, listen, I'm going to help you. you know, you're a first-time home buyer. You're a young couple. And you're buying this $2 million house because you live in fucking California and th that's, you know, a shack is $2 million. I get it. An agent could literally go, listen, I'm going to be charging you this kind of money. I want to help you out. But I get where you're at. Why don't, why don't we just do like a payment plan and, you, you, you know, you got 12 months. I'll give you 12 months. Get on your feet. Get your finances sorted. And then you can start paying me, uh, you know, 250 500 bucks a month for the next 10 months. If you delivered that much value to that buyer, I'm telling you, I think the buyer will go, absolutely, I would do that. You were so helpful to us. You really hooked us up. You really guided us in the right direction. I want to make sure to pay. I just, I have a cash flow issue right now because I just bought a house. Yeah. I, again, that, that goes happen. into the like alternative, alternative right. that could compensation. That could What's happen. wrong with that? What's yeah. wrong with that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. 
I feel like once we start thinking a little bit positive and say this is an opportunity for reform and change, it's not that horrifying. Now, it might be horrifying for some individuals who are just, you know, like we talked about on the last show about, you know, realtor associations, like they're going to have to change, right? The headcount-based model, talk about affecting people, it's going to be those guys. But if you then, you know, again, did this little little mind pivot and go, okay, but in the other side of that, now I can go down to 10% of my so-called members because they're not members, get rid of them, right? And now I'm down to the 10% true believers who really want to, you know, help homeowners, who really want to advocate for homeownership, who really want to do those things, we'll figure it out. Whether and, that's and, raising and a lot of times those, those guys people. are not going to be not going to bat an eyelash a bank paying two, three, four times as much, much more money Maybe. because they know it's going to be more effective. Maybe. Or, you know, you might have some young kid who doesn't have any money, but he's really dedicated. Hey, listen, we're going to waive your membership fee, right? Because the more successful ones are funding this. Or we're too small. We can't find. We're going to merge with seven nearby associations and create something like there are different ways of doing that, but I'm saying, but the positives of that other side is, like I mentioned, imagine you're having an election right, at your local associate for somebody who's going to be the local president and the entire association shows up, right? You're doing like debates, candidate debates between two people running for the board and the entire association shows up yeah, and is asking I mean, right questions. That's definitely aspirational yeah right it is <clears throat> i know but i'm saying it's like it's it's actually within the realm of possibility once we get past the next three stages of grief right and the initial <laughs> whole gets to acceptance right, and realizes hey you know what it is what it is now what's possible i think that's there's some real real reason for like optimism and hope right which is why like all through this i've been saying i'm an optimist i'm actually ultimately hopeful it's just we got to go through some shit first, you know, it's just, and yeah, and there's going to have to be sacrifices, right? Uh, was it you and I that were talking about, remember uh, Stefan Swanepoel years ago wrote something like Serengeti something, that book? Yeah, Choose Your Spirit Animal. Yeah, it was like, something like Surviving Your Serengeti or some, something like yeah. that. And I remember the first chapter was about the wildebeest. And uh, in it, it tells so like the wildebeest, you know, this migration and the herd thrives. And like, yeah, the herd thrives because they let the weak get eaten by the hyenas and the lions. <laughs> they know when to when to abandon the weak <laughs> and the old. I don't have to be the fastest runner. I just be faster than you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, that, maybe that is kind of uh, the next evolution of what's coming, right? Yeah, we, no kidding. We have to let the weak die. You know, we, we just do as an industry. Otherwise, the entire herd dies. Now, if you're the weak, it sucks. Sorry. But you know what? Maybe you're the weak because this industry ain't for you. Like maybe yeah. you'd be way better doing something else, you know? And that's a possibility. So I think we'll eventually calm down eventually. And then you and I could go back to talking about business models of portals or whatever, you know, like whatever. Some new tech vendor that's got a AI bot that finds dog houses, you know, like, yeah. you know, maybe we'll be able to go back to instead of like these industry extinction level events, <laughs> which would be nice. That would be real. Good nice. Lord. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, hey, listen, I, I don't want to leave off this episode without uh, saying this in person. I know you saw my tweet about this. Um, I guess it was Anthony Lamacchia mm-hmm. that had a conversation with Michael Ketchmark and, you know, it was feisty apparently. And he said he doesn't want to give that guy a platform. Right? He doesn't want Ketchmark on his show because, why you know, I don't – because it would be giving a voice to somebody he really – thinks is bad or whatever. Cool. So I made an offer on Twitter. Right. Because I made an offer on Twitter. If you guys want a neutral place to debate, I would be happy to host them. And I think you, we would be happy to host on Industry Relations. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Charlotte. Hey, Michael. If you are hearing this, you want to have a neutral ground. And I promise I will shut the fuck up and let you guys debate. (laughs) Greg and I will just serve as neutral arbiters we could, we could, in fact, press the press roll, you know, where they ask the questions <laughs> of the candidates, right? Uh, we will happily moderate the debate. The invitation's out there. Come on. And, uh, yeah, let us know if you want to do it. We're happy to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, apparently he was going to go on Inman. Then Brad had put some messages out of what kind of questions he was going to ask, and then he backed yep. out. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm catch mark, I'm, I'm doing that, but I'd love to, I'd lo- I would love to have a conversation with him or, or you know, do as you suggested as, as, as being some sort of like a moderator or something. That's Absolutely. Right. We, we would be happy to make our platform available for you guys to debate neutral ground. Uh, and yeah, I mean, let's have at it. anytime we can have co-star news person of the week here on the uh, podcast, uh, <laughs> I'm here for it. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, And I think next week will be the Christmas episode. Uh, I'm briefly flirting with the idea of dressing up for it, you know. Oh, wow. I like that. All right. Okay. You know, think about it. Uh, But uh, so let us know if you think uh, that would be beneficial for (laughs) Greg to dress up as Santa. uh, I could dress up as the Grinch, something like that, right? Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Listen, content is everything. Two Brothers Creative makes it look easy. Right now, business owners really only have two options. The first option is hire a big firm. Now, this big firm is going to come in, make you think that they invented all the algorithms and start charging you thousands of dollars every month. You don't want to do that. Second option is to do it yourself. Well, that means you got to learn SEO, SEM, copywriting, marketing techniques on the web. Ugh, you should be really focusing on your own product. But now there's a third option. It's called content in a box. Give Two Brothers Creative 30 minutes a week and they'll handle everything. Plus, they'll show you how to bring it in house later on. They'll rebuild your marketing foundation and give you tools and techniques and a new marketing playbook that'll actually produce real results and help you grow your business. Two Brothers Creative will give you the confidence and know-how to tell the SEOs and SEMs and all those other acronyms to get fucked. You're in control now. Get started today at thecontentbox.com.